Well, it's been a minute since I've done this podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. And where I've been, uh, well, work, life, the usual things that kind of keep me going, keep me busy. I really sometimes I find myself getting swamped, and then I go, "Oh, the podcast and everything." And then there's also just trying to really think things through, you know, because as I go forward in this and everything, I want to really give this thing good thought. If you hear cars in the background, I'm in my blue truck recording. So, like I said, work, life. Occasional bout with depression. I mean, it's not as bad as it used to be and everything. Obviously, the loneliness, it's kind of a constant thing. So you never really think about that. That's just kind of default setting. So it's been a while since I took this little torpedo boat out to sail and everything. Another interesting development um, in my life was... um, I keep going on about social media. And I mentioned I had a Facebook account. And I kind of kept it a kind of a legacy thing. Kind of a time capsule of my life. Because I, I was kind of there when Facebook started. You know, one of the first groups they marketed to at a military academy. It was this kind of cool idea. So I had it, and I kept it as the years went on, and my friends disappeared, but I have these friends on Facebook, and I have this kind of receipt for people who I've known. Well, this week, finally, kind of in the middle of the pit, I kind of had this weird epiphany. I've had several epiphanies, so this is the first of many. Uh, first of many, but I finally walked the walk, and I said... uh don't need it anymore. So downloaded all my data off of Facebook and said, uh, later, and disappeared. Kind of like Bilbo Baggins in Lord of the Rings, you know, when he gets up and gives his little speech where he tells people, I like half of you as much as half of you should be, or something like that, and does the ring thing and disappears and goes like, I'm out of here. That's kind of what I did. I looked around and I said, well, I'm thankful that these people were in my life. I'm thankful for the experiences, the memories that I have inside my brain versus what's on my computer. But I finally just walked away. So I'm officially... Sand social media. I don't have it in my life anymore, which kind of feels weird, to be honest, and everything. It's like, oh, because everybody's so wired in, so everybody goes, you know, social media. I'm like, nah. So it's going to be kind of weird living this life like this, but I'm actually glad I did it because I looked at all the pictures of all the friends that I had had, all the relationships that have died along the wayside, and I said, I don't really need a kind of a receipt. I don't need a constant reminder or avatars or trading cards. Remember when you used to know this person? Remember the good memories? So I've, I finally just decided to walk away. Now, on to what I was, my big epiphany. My epiphany is just kind of defined generically as like a striking realization, a kind of an awakening, an eye-opening moment. I'm going to put it in cartoon form. A light bulb goes over your head. I've been going over in my head, and I, I think about this often because, you know, I drive a truck, I go places, I see people interacting, I see people talking to their friends, and I'm, I'm kind of now reduced to spectator in my own life. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Have you got all these friends and these relationships, and how am I sitting here just kind of on the outside of everything? And, you know, it's like... So I kind of had did some deep thinking about it. Sometimes it doesn't... You can't just do it in, like, five minutes because, you know, that's, that's, that's Twitter. That's why everything on Twitter is stupid because everybody goes, oh, listen, I have this thought instantaneously, put it out there. It's like, no, you got to think about things. You got to chew on things. You got to meditate. You got to really weigh things and look at things objectively and kind of think about it while you're in different moods. So I was kind of thinking about it, and I would see people, and I had some interactions, which I'll talk about and everything. But I had an episode called... Well, What's wrong with you and everything? And then I kind of realized, in some weird way, I am the problem with my loneliness, my depression. I am the problem. I'm kind of a defective code. And I've I've had this when I've been in the pit before. And I've always had these weird thoughts, especially when I start to get close to thinking of hurting myself. You know, one of the things I 
I didn't mention when I was younger, I was a cutter, you know? I'd get really upset. Somebody would do something to me. Not like hit me or nothing like that, but people would kind of hurt me, and I you didn't know I didn't know how to express it, and so you'd kind of internalize it. And all of a sudden, one day I just remember getting a knife, and I know it's gonna grow some of you out, but that's all right, you'll live. But then I get I get, I get a knife, and then I a little serrated blade, and I cut on my left arm, just cut across it, and to see the blood, it would give me kind of a visceral primordial rush. I, I remember thinking that, going like, man, this feels really good. It almost feels like I can see the personification of my rage with the blood flowing, right? I wouldn't really cut, cut like crazy, but I would cut. I still have scars on my left arm from it and everything. I think the last time I did it was about three years ago. I kind of stopped doing that. Like I said, once I really dialed into my weight training and trying to channel it, yeah, I didn't find need for it. Now I just, well, I do have other avenues where I do destructive things. Like I break things, you know, I, I do. I smash windows, that's a common thing, a common target. Anything that's breakable, that's nearby, I will give it the beans. But back to what I was saying. So I'd have these thoughts. I don't know where I was going with that. That was a really weird dive off the thing. Whatever. So I, I, But when I ever get to thinking of like hurting myself, I would always feel like life was a game of musical chairs and I was always the one on the outside. You get to that point at a certain stage, and I go, something's wrong with me, you know? And I always had this thought in the back of my head, and I'm like, I'm the defective code here. It's kind of Dante from Clerks. Have you ever seen the movie Clerks? There's a guy, Dante, and he has a bunch of mishaps, him and his friend Randall, and then just things happen. And the whole premise of that first movie is he's like, I'm not supposed to be here. He wasn't supposed to be at work that day. Then all of a sudden, everything goes to hell in a handbasket while he's at work. And I kind of feel that way with life at times. I go, I'm not supposed to be here. I probably should have been here 150 years ago where I could have just 100 acres of land and live out there and chew on tobacco and shoot animals and eat the animals and live off the land. I, I kind of have that inclination because I, I look around suburban, this life and people with their friends and I go, I'm, I'm not supposed to be here. It's so weird. So, and I remember a couple weeks ago, I had some weird interactions that really kind of cemented it. Certain things will kind of confirm it. I, I don't know if you, like you said, you know, some people say, well, if you speak this thing, it'll happen. I, it's like, I don't, I've tried speaking a million dollars and it never happened. So I don't really buy that, but you kind of get what it says, you know, kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I remember there was a guy I used to work with when I used to haul gas and he got along really good. You know, he was my trainer and we'd ride in the truck and we had common interest in Joe Rogan podcast and we'd laugh and joke. It was a really good time. It was really nice interacting with a human being like, wow, this is really cool. And you know, I was just, like I said, in my element. I'm not some sort of weird antisocial type, but some people may be. Some people really might have this thing like really ingrained. Mine doesn't. Like I said, nuance, 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 nuance. So I remember, so I decided because when I left the company and I told them, look, I'm trying to get my own truck. I'm tired of working for these big companies. I'm tired of people who I feel are dumber than me telling me what to do. I'd rather be my own headache than have somebody else sit above me. That was that was true, and he was like, "Yeah, good luck." He says, "Hey, call me back. Call me. Let me know how things are going." First red flag. The quote of, "Hey, call. Keep up. Keep contact." You know that that that's something where I'm going to get into. You know because where I realize I'm the problem because when you say if you tell me, "Hey, call me and keep in contact." You remember I told you about the other friend who said, "Yeah, well, yeah, call." And I said, "Oh, I'll call. Don't call every month or call every week." I'm like, "Oh." At which point it's like a record scratch and I go, well, then I'm not going to call at all because I'm obviously not wanted and I just, I feel the unwant. It's not intentional, but you know, that person doesn't mean it malignantly. They may not even know how they said it, but to me, kind of having been through a series of mishaps with this, I take it like, oh, you don't want to be around me. So, cool. 
So I, I called him out of nowhere. I said, like, you know what? I'm, I'm out driving. I'm on day shift now. He's on day shift. So I called him up and he was like, hey, what's up? How's it going? So we're talking for a few minutes and he was um loading some ethanol, stuff that goes in your gas and everything. They go in different tankers, you know. And so he's unloading ethanol at the railroad tracks. And he's like, hey, I'm busy unloading right now. Hey, can I call you back in a little bit? I said, sure. Now, if you know anything about me, listen to any of my episodes, I kind of have this one weird gimmick. A gimmick is, well, people say, I'll call you right back. And then I never hear from them again. Well, you can guess how this one turned out. Yeah. I saw so I hung up. So, okay, he'll call back. You know, I'll have my phone on ready to, you know, talk and catch up. You know, we got along great. And no ill will and nothing like that. So, no apparent reason for not to call back and then smash cut to him not calling me back and i'm sitting there going like but it it hit me but then i said of course it must be that way another guy worked with hauling gas in another company you know he called he and i used to, you know talk every now and then we'd talk he'd have a weird hang up where he'd just hang up on me we'd be talking and i tried to call him back and he wouldn't pick up and I, I i started to feel like oh he doesn't really want to talk but he's cool with me and everything i don't know and so one day I looked on the weekend and I had missed his call. So I called him back a couple of days later. He never called back. And then I realized, and it kind of just hit me and it was just like a light bulb went off. I said, oh, I'm the problem here. I'm what's wrong with this whole thing. And it's not that I'm the problem in a malignant way at this stage. What it is is that I'm expecting people to act like people used to act. I have this sort of weird gear where I, I come from a world where people used to say, if I'll call you back, they would call you back. Not anymore. People are just flippant with their words and their intentions. Me, I'm very much – one thing I despise is a liar. It's the one thing. If you're a liar, I have zero use for you. People in my life, I have just bulldozed because I despise it. I hate it. Every bit of passion. Because you know what? Like I said, waters of life are choppy enough. I don't need you muddying the waters, you know? I have no use for you. I, I will cast you into outer darkness, right? So I have this sort of weird gear. So when people say, I'll call you back, I'm, I, I, in good faith, say, well, sure, you'll call me back. And I, I'll be ready to receive the call. I am operating that under the assumption you are telling me the truth and not lying. And then that day, I was like, oh... People just don't give a damn about the truth anymore because we've been programmed not to. I keep wheeling this torpedo boat around and I keep going back to social media and I keep saying we've been rewired. It's a lot more than just staring at people's pictures. It's a lot more than likes. It's this idea that we create our own reality and other people are just in it versus us all living in the reality together. It's this weird gear. So I kind of had that weird epiphany. I said, oh, I'm the problem here. I'm the I'm the hang up. Because you know, you, you know, people you ever talk to somebody who's had a bad problem with relationships and they all find bad people all the time and they go, What's the common factor in all those relationships? And the common answer is, Well, me. And it's like, Yeah, it's you. You're the problem. Not them. Not every can't be everybody. Everybody can't be wrong. So I realized I can't sit there and blame everybody. But I try not to blame, but you know. There's, there's a weird gear where I do kind of have a little bit of shade, a little bit of blame, where I go, listen, I wouldn't do this to you, so why, why should I sit there and cop and share in their blame and say it's not their fault when I wouldn't do it to them? It's kind of weird, but I don't know. So I kind of have this, I have two options when I reach this point where I go, I'm the problem. I can either have a pity party or I can just, you know, British say stiff up a lip, darling, and keep it moving, right? But yeah, and pity party thing... It's one of those weird things as I've grown in life. 
especially as I discovered loneliness and discovered like anybody around and this sort of disparagement of pity parties. It's like, oh, why don't you go have a pity party? Don't have a pity party, you know? It's like, well, I don't have anybody else. I'll be damned if I don't have a pity party. How about I have a pity party by myself and you keep it moving, right? It's my right to have a pity party. Why? Because nobody else has any pity. It's like, you've ever been alone. You realize that. You're like, nobody else cares. So at least I should do the caring. I'll do the lifting for everybody else who should be doing the lifting. And then there's a part you got to keep it moving in life. And it's been kind of weird. You just kind of find things to get into. And it's a day-by-day struggle. And I I talk about this. I go, man, you got to figure these things out now because... It's a, it's, it's like Aldous Huxley wrote a brave new world. I don't know what this world's going to turn into. There's a lot of things going on that are like bizarre that as a younger person, I don't remember seeing or happening. Like I said, I see my parents, I see the older generations, I see how they lived. And I'm going like, we're not anywhere close. We're off in some weird, strange, bizarre world. And not the usual suspects that you watch on TV that's supposed to get everybody angry. Just the little things like friendships, relationships, and maybe this is just my vantage point. Maybe people do have close friends. I don't know. So I kind of realized I was the problem, and then I decided to transition that, and I said, well, now I'm going to become the problem, but I'm going to become the problem at my speed now. It's kind of a weird shift now, because I I have to change up my mindset. I I remember um, there was a movie in Disney had... 1990s called Homer Bound. It was actually funny. They did voiceover for three pets, live pets, who were making a trip to find their family because their family stupidly left all three pets and they just couldn't find them. It was like, these dopes. But the pets had to find them, right? And the cat had a really funny way of going after fish because, you know, she wanted to eat a fish and everything. And she'd be like, uh, I catch the fish acting like I don't want it and everything. And so she'd sit there and she'd go, da dee da I don't really want it. And then catch a fish real fast. And that that was kind of the thing I, I started to lean to because I've been getting pushed towards that now. It's kind of embracing the antisocial. And, and it's not this thing of being nasty or mean to people. It's literally going up to people, seeing people acting friendly and just shying away. It's defensive posture. It's preemptive. It's like... Okay, I, I get it. You're putting on the friendly show because we're supposed to because, you know, we're supposed to do this all the time because you have a profile on social media where you show how nice you are and how you're smiling all the time. We are made to advertise ourselves as friendly. I said, I'm not going to play ball anymore. I'm going to withdraw to my defenses right off the bat. And the reason is because at some point I've become a friendship agnostic of sorts. I don't believe that. For me personally, I don't think I'll ever find like really good, true friendship. I think those days are over now. It's a weird, like I said, it's a brave new world. This is like unprecedented for me. Maybe I'm making this over dramatic and everything. But like I said, walk a mile in someone's shoes. If you think I'm being dramatic, please put on my shoes and walk a mile. Some of you couldn't. I couldn't walk a mile in your shoes. We have these weird shoes and, you know, weird roads to take. So I, I sat there and I looked and I said, I, I, I don't believe in it anymore. So I don't look for, you know, oh, maybe we should talk to this person. Hang on. No, don't want to do it. Don't don't want to be bothered anymore. I, I, I don't want to put in effort anymore. I don't want to burn calories. I don't want to invest. I merely want to observe this thing. I think it's a lot more widespread than people think. I really do. I think a lot of people are struggling. I, I honestly don't think this... 
social media thing or anti-social media is in fact benign. I think it does have effects on people. And I think they're starting to realize it as their worlds start to crumble because I was speaking with my father yesterday and I made an interesting point in everything. Social media is the act of us memorializing ourselves in life and everything because we don't actually think we're going to die. Human beings' life is, we're funny, we're communal creatures. And that includes all aspects of life. We communally are born, you know, we're born into a family. We live among other humans. We die, we're mourning, we're buried. Everything is communal and everything. Social media, or anti-social media, kind of takes all that away because you have your own profile where you control your friends and you control your likes and everything. That's all supposed to be done in conjunction with other people. This idea where you can cordon yourself off on your phone and do your own thing and present yourself to everybody else in the way you want to, it's kind of like having friends, like actual friends, you know? So I have Facebook friends. I can portray myself a certain way, you know, as, as suave or debonair and everything. But say I have a group of close friends like I used to have, guys who just know me. And I try to pass myself off as suave and debonair. Well, they actually know me for the person I am. They go, stop being a jerk. Who are you fooling? You ain't fooling nobody. Stop it, you know? Cut the crap out, you know? Because they do actually know you on that ground level. Whereas Facebook is the, kind of the act of putting on a badly acted show, kind of directed by some oligarch tech, oligarch overlord and everything, which makes us want to please people. I, I, that was one of the things that led me. It was a weird thing, and, and this was a bit of narcissism, and I'll, I'll cop to it. I remember I was posting on Facebook, and I posted about the election. I said, I'm not voting because neither of these parties care, and I can't even get the roads paved in South Carolina because, God help us, they look like they've been bombed, and you guys are fighting over stuff in D.C. Good luck, you know? And, and you know, you put that comment out there, you put that post out there, see, which people don't admit, is you want a lot of likes and replies and all kind of stuff, because it kind of makes you go, wow, that landed. You feel good, right? It's made to do that. It's kind of casino psychology. You want the, you don't want the, so when you look after two days and only four people like it, you kind of go, oh, I have 163 friends in how many people not even paying attention to what I'm saying? You can unfollow your own friends. It's so inhuman, right? And I realized, I don't want this anymore. It wasn't, I hate those people. I, said, I just don't want this relationship anymore. If I'm to have a relationship with any of them, I want it face-to-face. I want it personal. I, I don't want it mediated by a social media thing. So, like I said, I, don't long, I no longer believe in friendship. Kind of a new era in the life, new epoch, you know? You kind of go, well, what does that look like now? What does life look like not looking for friends, not looking for a group? Because I do have groups that I do fit in. I'm not a friend. I'm an associate in truckers. You know, the truckers I work with on the yard, you know, there's a bit of camaraderie there and everything. And you know, you'll take that little win, you know, when you talk on the CB and you, truckers know you. They, they, You know, like I said, I drive a faster truck. So even in trucking, they have these little clicks, right? You have the trucks that are slow and those are the new drivers driving for the big companies who are getting sent over the road nine months to ten months of the year and they get like five days home a year. And you got the local drivers and they kind of all know each other and we kind of help each other. And you know what? I take that face-to-face interaction. It may not be friendship, but it's interaction. It's positive. You talk about trucks. You talk about, you know, what... The Department of Transportation, you know, the Gestapo that bothers the truckers all the time and never the cars. Ironically, transportation is cars, but whatever. 
and you talk to them about that stuff and you have a language, a kind of a common language. And, you know, I'm not friends with any of them. And I don't actively try to be. I don't go, hey, we should hang out and have a beer. You know, I, I, I don't even need to approach that. I, I've learned I'm the problem. Something about me, maybe I need to discover. And people will say, well, maybe you're this and maybe you're that. At which point I would say, well, well, then come show me. Come show me, prove it to me, and I'll accept it. That's always where the gap comes up. Because people, you know, I've had arguments with people, well, you, you do this. And like I said before, oh, you, you look mean. When have I ever been mean? I've never, when have I ever punched somebody in the face or kicked them? Oh, I have a stern expression. Oh, that must make me mean. Good. Then you're shallow. I, I can't help that. I can't help you. I can't advertise myself. I can't smile all the time just to draw people in. If substance doesn't mean anything, well then, guess what? That's just the way the market goes. And, and what it leads to is, like I said, me no longer believing is I start to kind of sabotage myself. I've been saying that. I go, listen, I... I I don't want to look for this thing, and if I see someone going, hey, you know, you're not, no. It was funny, um, I ran into one of the teenagers that I taught in my teen church right when I had left. He was a nice young man, and I got along and everything. And I remember one time I saw him in the store, I hadn't been back to that church in a while, and I, you know, said, hey, what's up, and everything, and he was just kind of like, hey, you know. But there was something missing because there was a group of young people before when I would talk to them. You know, they were, I'd been with them for six years and we'd see each other. We'd hug each other. We'd say, hey, how's it going? How's college? There was a connection. It wasn't so much a connection with this young man. So next time I, I saw him in the store and he was walking, I, I just, you know, like I said, looked at him, nodded, and kept moving. Like, blew past him. I was the other day. Like, even my interactions with people, I'm just like, I can't be bothered. I can't. So I sabotage myself. I actively put grenade charges. There was a, I was going to the garden, right? And I was, I just finished working out. So I'm kind of breathing heavy. I'm walking out the garage. And there's a woman out there in the driveway smoking. And he kind of nodded. And she just kind of just looked at me. The weird thing is the South has got people there who just kind of sit there and look at you. They come from other places and they just kind of stare at you. Well, people in the South do it too, you know. It's not this. Everybody's friendly. Everybody knows everybody. I think that's a myth now because it's got too many transplants out here. It's It's getting crazy so she's just kind of sitting there looking at me smoking a cigarette so I kind of nod and she stands and I just keep it moving because before I would have been kind of feeling this need to have this connection I finally was like to hell with you I got I got Swedish snuff in my lip I've got a nice buzz I'm going to the back to my garden I got my music on I ain't got time for you I just nodded and kept it moving barely even looked at her I said I don't want this anymore and that's a weird thing because one of the things for me has been in a minute, I don't want it anymore. Because it's just not worth it anymore. I've been burned too much. And I go, you know what? If I'm the problem, guess what? I'm doing everybody a service by withdrawing. Actively withdrawing. That's why I got rid of Facebook. And the one thing I've discovered is that people, they never fail to disappoint. And there's a bit of a, a comforting aspect of this defiance now. It's like, okay, now where do I go from here? I work my job. I have these little things in life now that they kind of give me happiness, and I, I I take it. And you know, I said even this this loneliness. I I know Thanksgiving's coming up, so be thankful for it. I'm kind of thankful for being having to muse about this. It's not the funnest thing in the world. It's not enjoyable all the time. I would like to have a bunch of friends come and say, "Hey, Reed, let's go out and do this, man." Hey, man, I miss being popular. That that really is something that I do miss. But I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful because I had to think these things through. And I had, I had to look at my life. And maybe if I had a few friends, I would have been tied to this casino. 
this weird online service that I couldn't let go of. I just finally dove into the pit. The loneliness was just palpable. And I said, I don't need it anymore. I don't want it anymore. Get rid of it. Gone. Deleted it. Gone. Out of my life. So leaning into this anti-social thing, it's kind of weird now, but it's it's, it's kind of like, uh, like who's that guy? Henry David Thoreau, the path less taken. It's a path that hasn't been taken that much. Maybe to find that antisocial path that's not malignantly antisocial, but maybe just kind of withdraws. Goes into the defensive bunker, you know? And always... And, you know, maybe might go to my comfort zone. I have to get out of your comfort zone. And, you know, in some areas of life, I, I, I do believe you should get out of your comfort zone. Other areas of life... You should stay in your comfort zone because your comfort zone is actually comfortable. And why would you forego that? Really, it's like is the reason why it's a comfort zone because it's comfortable. So it's it's a weird balance. So, like I said, if you don't hear, see an episode. If you do listen, like I said, I can never tell what the numbers. I just kind of go, eh, it is what it is. This is a small torpedo boat. It's punchy. And today I was feeling especially punchy because I was like, you know what, this it's gonna be what it's gonna be. And it really feels good because, you know, you don't have the social media thing anymore. So I've that I've taken a, away from my, I have to put on airs credit now. I don't need to put on air so much. I don't have a social media account. I don't exist. I exist in a voice form only now on the internet. I mean, you might find a picture of me here and there, but in terms of that, I, in the zeitgeist, I, I'm kind of a phantom. I'm just kind of out here talking. Anybody listens, they listen. They don't, they don't. And you know what? I'm okay with it. And it... it kind of is a bad feeling and a good feeling at the same time. I can't really explain it. It kind of feels good being defiant. Because like I said, I wheel this boat around all the time. And I always go back to that social media thing. And it felt kind of good to take a nice, substantive shot at it. Not just talking about it. Because everybody today likes to talk about stuff. But to do it, you know, was a big step. And I was like, felt kind of good. Because, you know, I was reading articles detailing how to delete it. And the one woman who wrote an article, and I have to wish I'd remember her name and everything. But she said something interesting. She said, these people are really your friends. You'd be having a cup of coffee right now. Not stalking their baby pictures, looking at their happy lives. And there was a lot of that. Family members, friends, and everything. People who ostensibly didn't even exist in my life. They existed in name only. And I said, they're living their lives. They're showing pictures. I don't factor in. So I said... No need to send some farewell message. I said, just leave. It, it felt good. To, it, there's nothing better. And I said, I've been in church services where I've been bored or something's just been crazy been going on. And I just want to get out of there. And the best feeling is just to simply get up and just walk out the back door and be like, hey, I'll be out here. And just walk and get in the truck and drive home. It feels good to have that ability to withdraw and pull yourself out. Because now I'm, cause I said, more time to think these things through because I said I I really like I said it has been boggling my mind you know just looking at the social media looking at the internet looking at how people are reacting to everything in their lives why people are going into different groups why people are connecting across countries and they don't know their neighbors there's so many things blowing my mind right now just even being here in South Carolina in this relatively Recently built up suburban neighborhood, which is super weird in South Carolina because, you know, my town used to be a small town. <laughs> now, people next to you, you don't know them. You kind of see them. You look at each other. I miss the days where kids would go up to my 
door when I was a little a younger kid. And they go, hey, can Reed Ramon come out and play? And they'd knock on our door. And we knew all the neighbors. We knew all the parents. And something is missing right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm boggled by it. My mind is boggled. Flabbergasted even. But for me personally, just going from that period of my life where I had lots of friends, where I had people tell me thanks for being a good friend, to having nobody. I mean, seeing my former best friend working this job on LinkedIn with a smiling face never occurred to him to call me. It was super weird, but it's like, you know what? That's what he wants to do. Let him do it. I'm withdrawing from life. Not from life, but from that whole thing. And I go, I don't want it anymore. I'm not, I don't want anybody saying, hey, I want to be close. I'm like, no, no, stay away. Stay away. Keep, you, you've been infected. We've all been infected. Something's wrong with me. And because something's wrong with me, you need to stay away from me. But I'll just be here sabotaging myself, sabotaging my relationships, not malignantly. But when I see, you know, these patterns come up that bother me, I'm like, listen, I, I'm the problem here. But at least if I'm the problem, I have a little bit of control over the solution. And maybe the control is kind of to withdraw, go into the rocks, kind of go into hiding a little bit, just observe. Look around. Maybe not throw myself out there. And you know what? It's a day-by-day thing. Because loneliness will hit some days. The depression will hit some days. But to be able to sit back and observe it and see how it affects me. And worry about the little things in life and be thankful for the things I do have, you know? Like I said, even this loneliness, I'm thankful for it. It's making me think things I never thought. Because like when I had friends and everything, I never thought about people who were lonely. Depression. Depression was like, who's depressed? What's wrong with you? Once you go through it, you're like, oh, yeah. And you can see it on other people. You're like, oh, they're depressed. And it was funny because somebody was talking about, oh, that person, they're depressed and something's wrong with them. And I remember saying, it's not a joke, stupid. It's actually real, okay? It'll hit you. It hits you like a, a dumbbell to the chest. Someone drops a 50-pound dumbbell on your chest and it just it does physiological damage. It shortens your life, too. But more on that next time. When I show back up, you know, listen, is what it is. Like I said, I got to think these things through because you know what? It's a brave new world and no fast thought ends up well. You have to think these things through slowly. But thanks for listening. And like I said, whatever you have in life that good, cling to it, you know? Enjoy it. Be thankful for it. I don't want to do the things could always be worse because somebody does have it worse. And I don't want to use them as the kind of the example for you feeling good. But like I said, for me, my garden, the weights, my children, my little blue truck, my Freightliner Columbia with double pipes and a nice Jake break, I'm, I'm thankful for it. You know, it's kind of funny how those things kind of pop up at weird times and kind of prop me up. But I'm thankful for it. So that being said, thanks for listening. And we'll definitely catch you on the flip side.